Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Shure compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Shure side on our website. الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحديث حديث محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد. For those of you who've not been to one of these weekly tafsir sessions that we do, the idea is that we go through the Quran and we look at those ayat that are relevant to matters of finance, wealth, to some extent careers, charity, giving, anything really to do with money and topics that we talk about at Islamic Finance Guru. And just to make sure that we are constantly refreshing ourselves on what A, Islam has to say about these topics, but also B, just refresh our iman on this stuff as well, because that's really important for these kind of topics. And the verse for today is an incredibly famous and very powerful verse in Surah Ali Imran. وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةٌ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ There has to be a group of people from among you who call towards the good and bid the fair and forbid the unfair. And it is those who are successful. And others have translated that as let there arise from amongst you a group of people inviting to all that is good and enjoining the al-ma'roof, the good stuff, the Islam, Islamic monotheism and forbidding al-munkar, the evil stuff, disbelief, stuff that Islam has forbidden. And it is those who are successful. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is giving a command to us that we need to be 
enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. We need to be encouraging people to do what is right and encouraging people to avoid what is wrong in a nutshell. And there's a lot of things to be said for this verse, but I wanted to kind of just make a few points. The first is that Islam is a religion of concentric circles. So Islam says to start with yourself first. Islam tells you to put things in the right order. So firstly, you have to sort yourself out and then you have to look for your family. And then in other places in the Quran, it talks about in Ayatul Birr that we talked about a few weeks ago, the various different people that you give charity to. So it starts off with your relatives, your family, but then it goes out further to your community and wider after that as well. And the same is the case here as well. You are enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, firstly to yourself, but then also to your family, and then finally to those in your wider community, and then eventually to the world at large. So there's a pecking order that we have to follow when it comes to enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a hadith, Prophet he describes how there are three ways in which you can deal with an evil. The first is that you stop it with your hand. The second is that you say bad about it and like trying to stop it with your tongue. And then the third, and this is the lowest level of Iman, and that is where you think that the thing that is being done is wrong, it is evil, but you don't say anything or you don't do anything because you're not in that position. And that's the lowest level of Iman. And everyone can do that. So again, in terms of the approach that we take when it comes to enjoying the good and forbidding the evil, there are gradations here also. And then the real key thing for us, and I think the slightly different perspective on this verse that I was thinking about, is we can really enjoin good and forbid evil really powerfully through our wealth as well. And this is an area that typically most of us overlook when it comes to our investing. But actually, wealth is the currency, the oil that lubricates the social machine. Wealth is the thing that makes stuff happen. And the decisions that we make when it comes to the allocation of that wealth ultimately determine what rises and what falls in the world and ultimately determines which group of people or which companies or which entities have the runway or the money to be able to use to achieve whatever objectives they have. So all of that is a really long way of saying that with our investment decisions, we can actually have a really material impact. So to be really practical about it, I personally, this is the way I approach my investing, I actually think about not just commercial gain, of course, that's very important, but also the wider impact that my money can have. So when it comes to, for example, things like gold and cryptocurrencies, I will typically not allocate large amounts to those asset classes because I realize that fundamentally me holding these cryptocurrencies or me holding gold will not necessarily be adding real value to the world. If anything, it might actually be detracting value from the world. And the reason for that is because contrast gold to a property, a property actually exist in the real world. It gives a roof over someone's head. It allows someone to make a life wherever they live and to have a place to lay their head down every evening, create a home for themselves and their families, become the bedrock or the linchpin around which a community forms. 
It can be a place where you receive a rental yield. There's a whole ecosystem around property and the property industry as well. So that's a really tangible thing. I actually think there's better things than even that in terms of impact. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But that compared to gold is just you are putting money into a piece of metal and you are leaving that as just a store of value. The gold existing or not existing in the world doesn't actually change anything. And so when you are thinking about using your wealth to enjoy the good and forbid the evil, then perhaps an overallocation into assets like these may not necessarily make a lot of sense. That is not to say that you shouldn't invest in things like these islamically. This is just an ethical and moral discussion that we're having here as opposed to like a halal or haram discussion. The other areas that you can invest in, things like stocks and shares, I think it's very important to not just have a qualitative and quantitative screen from a charity perspective on whether or not, for example, a company like BP or a company like British Aerospace Engineering is halal or haram because of the debt levels and because of the purely technical things that they buy and sell but also thinking about the wider impact of you investing in those companies and the results of that. So if investing in certain companies results in bad outcomes for the climate, then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he encourages us to, in the hadith, Prophet he encourages us to look after the planet and plant trees and to not cut down plantation even in times of war when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he talks about that I'm setting upon this earth he says to the angels someone who's going to look after this world the custodian of this world when you have that and you have the facts in front of you that climate change is going to kill people then it might not necessarily be in line with enjoining good and forbidding evil to necessarily be investing in companies that are bad for the environment. Similarly, investing in companies that help militaries around the world wage wars and potentially kill innocent people, companies that have a track record of doing that, perhaps are not necessarily the most impactful of ways that you could spend your money. However, investing in technologies in the biotech space, investing in technologies that help with climate change, investing in technologies that produce all sorts of other efficiencies and benefits to human life, that could well be quite an impactful way to spend your money. And then, of course, you've got earlier stage companies, startups or small businesses that are ultimately the lifeblood of this economy and ultimately the, where a lot of the innovation actually happens in the business ecosystem. If you have, obviously, this is partly a discussion of if you've got enough assets, if it's right for you, because obviously these kind of investments are a bit higher risk. But actually, if you do have money, then this is possibly the most impactful way that you can invest your money. Because this is literally you investing in a band of people who are coming together to try and solve a real problem. And these are real problems that will not only help a small group of people, but actually could help the world at large. So people that are trying to find the cure for various different kinds of cancer or drug discovery. There are various companies out there who do things like this. That is pretty material in terms of the benefit that it can provide the world and the impact that it can have. And then I think we need to be thinking about supporting Muslim businesses as well as much as we can, because that obviously keeps the Islamic economy in particular thriving and really vibrant. And I think at the same time as investing in companies from an equitable perspective, even lending in a Sharia compliant way to companies is hugely powerful because there are certain kinds of investments into companies 
that can only be made via debt just because of the business model of that company. They don't have the margins or the growth to be able to offer you an equity position, sell shares to you, but they can take on debt and then pay that back to you. And it makes you a nice profit, but most importantly, it allows these kind of bricks and mortar pharmacies and dentists and factories to really prosper, which is hugely beneficial to grow Muslim communities and the economy as a whole. So that's one broad bucket that I think it's really interesting to think about with this verse in mind. The second area, and I'm only going to make three broad points, the second area is charity. Ultimately, money, one side of the coin is investment, the other side of the coin is charity. Because what you're doing is you're giving that money, either by in form of investment or by in form of charity, to an entity to then deploy that and do stuff with it. And the hope is that that entity does good stuff with it. With an investment, you're a lot more vested in it and you want that to do well. But with a charity, we're a lot more hands off. But actually, my contention is that that's not the right approach to take. And we should be very cautious and careful and strategic with our charitable giving as well and really work out what is actually the most impactful way that we can deploy our charity money. It isn't good enough to make decisions about where we give in charity on a purely emotional basis. It needs to be made on a more real basis. So it shouldn't be that we are making decisions to give to X, Y, and Z because it makes us feel good. It should be because giving to X, Y, and Z is actually the right thing to do. And it's the best thing to do given the options in front of us. So out of the three options, this makes us feel the nicest. No, that's not the way that we decide. It's what is the most impactful thing that will save the most lives and make the world a much better place overall. And that sometimes means that we really dig into it. It actually means we give to larger charities who do charge a portion of the donation will be kept by the charity for admin fees and what have you. And I'm, by the way, a big advocate of giving to highly efficient charities, but I actually think that we fundamentally misunderstand what it means to be an efficient charity. Efficient charity is not one that has a whole load of its employees on the minimum wage who then also claim benefits from the government and who then use the tax rebate, the gift aid element of the donation to make everything else, all the ends meet, because that isn't the way of Islam. There was no gift aid concept in the Quran or the Hadith. That just happens to be what exists today. So to force charities into this really tight situation where Muslims as a whole don't like admin fees and we prefer charities that are somehow making ends meet in some other way, shape or form is not actually that helpful because the form that the charity then takes, the infrastructure that you use to deliver that money becomes a lot weaker. It's no good taking all that money and dumping it in Syrian refugee camp without any basis for how you deploy that money. So, for example, I've heard stories about where people go and create houses with tin roofs in Somalia for refugees. But in Somalia, a tin roof, you're just creating an oven. And of course, you will potentially be able to create 100 homes like that, but none of them are inhabitable. Whereas if you create just 10 homes, but they are proper homes, then that to me is a much better spend of that money. So long story short, I think that Amr bil ma'roof wa nahi anil munkar in joining the good and forbidding the evil as this verse in the Quran is telling us to do is something that we should be doing via our charitable giving as well and doing it in a strategic, clever, thoughtful way that actually holds charities to account as well properly. Inshallah, at IFG, if we can help in some way, shape or form in the coming years to do that, we will do inshallah.
And then the final thing I think is that we should be getting involved in discussions around how our money supply and banking industry and our fiscal policy and the money related elements to our government, all of that stuff works because that stuff is ultimately what will determine the shape of the future economy. And if what we can say is going to contribute to a discussion and a discourse that leads to a better, more equitable society, that is surely a good thing. And if Muslims are just not part of that discussion, despite having the wonderful teachings of Islam behind us, then that's a deeply problematic place for us to be in. People who have been leading discussions around the concept of money and making sure that that ultimately is divorced from the concept of debt and trying to think about a new way of doing money and a new financial system that isn't so reliant on debt. You know, the people who've been doing that are non-Muslims. And I recommend you check out a website called positivemoney.org, which ultimately brought around a debate in parliament that's been campaigning on it for a long time. Now, all of that, Muslims are, unfortunately, they haven't really been that active in that discourse but they should be, and we all should be. And I say this to myself as well first. Amr bil ma'roof, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, means that we actually try and address the head of the snake, which is the financial institution and the financial system as a whole. And if there are things that can happen via government policies that we can influence, then we should try and do that. So those are my high-level thoughts about Amr bil ma'roof wa nahiyan munkar in light of finances and investment. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he guides us to try and use our investment and money in a way that is as impactful as it possibly can be. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.